Psalm 65, 11 says this, You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. Amen. That's your year, church, in every area of your life. You know, I think everybody today wants a happy new year. Everybody say, happy new year. Happy new year. Everybody wants a blessed new year. Say, blessed new year. The problem is you're not going to have a happy or a blessed new year unless you deal with the fear that might be in your life. You're going to have to get a fearless new year before you have a blessed new year. Because these things are not compatible in the child of God. Fear has been sown into the masses in this world, in this country, through uncertainty and things like deception and disease, economic instability and storms. You might, what, uh, you might call what's been happening the perfect storm. And the real de you know, design of the storm is to get as many people in fear as possible. Unfortunately, millions of Christians have followed that same line. They're just as fearful as the world is. And you can't be plugged into faith and be plugged into fear at the same time. The Holy Ghost is telling us we've got to unplug from fear and plug back into the faith of God. So we're going to deal with fear at the outset of this year so that we can have that happy and blessed new year. And you might be surprised, and you're going to need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to actually shine the light on these things in your life, because I'm not going to be able to cover every dimension of, of fear, but he'll show you what's in there. And if it's there, then you begin to say, you know, I take responsibility over this, I repent of this, and then let the Lord build your faith up again so you can have the kind of year that you're supposed to have. Uh, fear is, is risen its ugly head like never before. In fact, it's not since 9-11. Have people experienced fear like this in this nation? But it quickly abated. The fear that's going on right now is on its third year. And it's time to kick this thing out the door. Amen. Get it out of your life. Get it out of your home. Get it out of your heart. Get it out of your workplace. Get it out of your church. Stop letting it rule you. Because the fear you yield to is the fear that will rule you. And too many people, even Christians, are being ruled by this. It's not isolated to murder Kentucky or Kentucky or even to this state or nation. It's all around the world trying to suppress the people of God, suppress the move of God, suppress the hand of God, suppress the will of God. I've got news for you. This thing's not big enough to suppress the hand or the will of God. So our job is to get back in alignment with him. He'll get the job done. The question is, are we going to go with him or not? Are we going to sit on the sidelines of fear and fretting and what could be, what might happen, or are we going to get back with the program God's called us into? Be what he's called us to be. Isaiah 43, 18, 19 does talk about former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? A new thing in terms of the walk of God, the work, the work of God, the move of God, you know, you can't stop this thing. But the one thing that will stop it in your life is fear. Whatever God has planned, whatever God wants to do cannot be accomplished if you yourself are walking in fear. Remember what Paul told Timothy. He said, God has not given us a spirit of what? Come on, say it with me. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A spirit of fear in the believer creates a playground for the will of the devil.
Let me say it again. Fear, that spirit of fear in the believer creates a playground in, you know, for the will of the devil to be accomplished in your life. Who wants that? You know, we're born again. We're God's people. Who wants to be going around doing the will of the devil? Well, you let the spirit of fear in, you trade lords. And now the Lord fear begins to manifest. And behind that fear, Lord, of course, is the enemy himself. Think about that. To survive is not a New Year's resolution. I want to survive 2020, 21, 22. That is not a resolution. You and I are called and equipped in Christ to thrive in any year. Come on, boldly confess it. I'm not going to survive. I'm going to thrive. Let everybody else survive. Somebody needs to hold up the, the, you know, the flag of, and the banner of what? Thriving in the midst of this nonsense. Say it with me. I'm a thriver. I'm not a survivor. Listen to this scripture in, in Psalm 92. It's a great scripture for us. The righteous thrive like a palm tree, grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. Do you see that? The thriving is connected to the health of your spirituality. The thriving is connected to your relationship with God and his people. There is no thriving outside the house of God. There's no thriving outside the people of God. There's no thriving outside the presence of God or the word of God. And so I know the big deal is, are, are you pastor ready? These amazing ads on television and newspapers, you know, and, and, and Facebook and everything and professional ministry magazines. Are you ready for the new reality of the church, the virtual reality of the church? Let me tell you something. The people of God in the first century faced a whole lot more danger coming to church than we face today. It's nothing but an excuse to be complacent and not do what we're supposed to do. Fear. Fear says don't be in church. Faith says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, the one you listen to is the one who's really your Lord. You can post everything you want on Facebook. You can amen me right now or oh me me right now. And there might be some oh me going on. But the reality is, if you're listening to fear instead of the Lord, stop calling him Lord. Either your faith is real or it's not. Either your faith is grounded in the word of God or it is not. People came to church in the first century and thought, you know what? We're going to show up at that colonnade. They may cart us away, but glory to God, when they cart me away and they take my head, I'm going straight to be with the Lord. Today, it's a different environment. And it, it proves that fear is not just out there on the outskirts of the church. Fear is in the hearts of many people of God. They love him, but they're operating under fear. And you know what? You've often heard that sin will take you further than you want to go and make you pay more than you want to pay. Fear is the same way. Once you open that door to fear and do what fear tells you to do, it will not stop. You think it will just be about COVID or will just be about the, the perfect storm that's going on in this nation with all the malarkey that's happening. It will not stop there. 
Right around the corner, it will be something else until you rise up and you say, you know what, I repent for operating in a spirit of fear. And from now on, I'm going to operate in a spirit of faith in Jesus' name. Father, forgive me for letting fear run my life. I've had all these excuses and I've dolled it up and I've got the support of the president and the CDC and the governor of Kentucky and the local health department. I've got all this support. But Lord, I repent of that because they're not Lord. God help us for trading in the voice of the CDC in for the voice of God. Amen. I'm the Lord thy God, I change not. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will what? Never pass away. The CDC changes its word every other day. And you're making that Lord. No, Jesus is Lord. But if fear is operating, you can't really say that. If you're honest, Jesus isn't Lord if you're doing what fear tells you to do. And wisdom and fear are not mutually exclusive. You can operate in wisdom, not do stupid stuff, common sense. But that's a whole world different than operating in fear. I mean, when I see an individual riding down you know, riding through town in their truck with their windows rolled up and they got a mask on. <laughs> Were they afraid of getting COVID from themselves? I mean, there is wisdom and then there is stupid. <laughs> wisdom, stupid. But Pastor, why would somebody do something like that? F-E-A-R. Absolute unmitigated fear. Know what's out there. Be aware of what's out there. But operate in faith. Yes. Yes. Whatever you do, do it in faith. Hallelujah. My problem is not with just this particular episode or, or fear over COVID. My problem is I've learned as a pastor that once a person starts running their life by fear, it's never going to stop. And you will never have a blessed or happy new year. You will never be victorious operating that way. There'll always be a new one. A new bump in the night. What is that? Amen. Your body talks to you in a funny way. Oh, I'm afraid now I got this disease now. I never felt that before. That must be that. And you operate your entire life by fear. You know what the first Sunday of 2022 is a good day for? A good day for repenting and getting the fear out. Amen. Come on, turn this to mind and tell them, get the fear out. Get Jesus back in. Fear brings the curse. Jesus brings the blessing. Hallelujah. I'm going to say the blessing is better than the curse. Come on, say the blessing is better than the curse. Let's be blessed, people. Hallelujah. Survival mentality is rooted in fear. Thriving mentality is rooted in faith. Say, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna thrive. Go with me to Mark 4.
Pastor, how long are you going to attack fear? I have no idea. But I can tell you the benchmark will be when all of us can say, honestly, no fear here. Come on, shout it out. No fear here. Say it by faith. No fear here in Jesus' name. Uh, Mark 4. I'll just start in verse 35 here. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Say that with me, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. Do you see that? We never float alone. Our faith impacts each other, and our fear impacts each other. There were other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was really swamped. Say swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Could there not be a greater set of opposites here? Furious squall, waves and wind, and Jesus sleeping. Amen. Can I, can I remind you of this? That uh, uh, your God is always on the job. Amen. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And his disciples said, Why? And Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so what? What's the root here? You think they all loved him? Yes. Y'all think they really wanted to follow him? Yes. Do y'all think they were really disciples? I do too, but what was the problem? Fear. And not much has changed. They're terrified and ask each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now they're even more fearful. They're not fearing God here with reverence towards obedience. They're just operating in a spirit of fear. And it has a lot of problems that come with it. Now, I want to mention to you here that in Matthew's version of this, Matthew in the Greek describes it as a seismos or a quake or shaking or trembling eruption of sea and sky. What's interesting is this same word is only used in two other occasions in Scripture, one at Jesus' death and one at his resurrection. You can see how powerful this thing was. It's a sudden, quick, overwhelming eruption of force. Does that not sound like the past couple years in this world? You can see that the uses of seismos indicate an event that is beyond the natural. Seismos is not natural. And what's going on in this world is not natural. It is what? Supernatural. And if you fear, then you become part of whatever force is behind this. You cannot allow yourself to be afraid of the seismos when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. Amen? It doesn't matter how much it's quaking or shaking. It doesn't matter how much what's going on against you or your family or whatever. He's still with you. Didn't he say, I'll never leave you? 
nor forsake you. This is also known as a megastorm in, in Mark's version, or a gigantic storm. Not unheard of in the natural, but this is something else. What's behind the spirit of fear? Write this down. The master fear, the master of all fears, is the fear of death. Well, Pastor, I was heard when somebody gets born again, they stop being afraid of death. They should be at a place where they're no longer afraid of death. Unfortunately, COVID has proven us wrong about that. There are millions of Christians that are terrified of dying. And you and I should have confidence every single day. This is the day the Lord has made. This day I live for you. This day I serve for you. Whether I serve you here or serve you in another realm, I serve you. To live as Christ and to what? To die as gain. Paul said, I die daily. That's the problem with the modern church. They're still alive. You said, that tank there is about to be opened, by the way, glory to God, Amen. But you said when you were baptized that you identified with his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. You said you identified that and you were going to come up out of that symbolically to live for him. You were supposed to be dead when you came out of that tank. And the fact right now that you're afraid of death means something didn't take. The master fear is still operating in a child of God. And yes, the last enemy to be defeated is death. He's done that because of the cross. Yes. It's just a matter of manifestation time. Listen to how it's, it's played out in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. The foundation of all fear is a fear of what? Death. Someone says, I don't like flying, I'm afraid to fly. You're not afraid of flying, you're afraid of dropping. <laughs> Amen. Staying up, you don't mind. It's the going down violently and in flames that you mind. You're not afraid of water. You're 72% water. You're not afraid of water. When's the last time you looked at that glass and said, I don't know about that? Could kill me. You're not afraid of water. You're afraid of what? Dying. Water just might be the agency. Oh, I can't stand snakes. I am so afraid. Of, you don't, you're not afraid of snakes. You're afraid of what? You're afraid of what? Dying. Now, I'm not saying go around and be stupid. Run uh, an airplane out of fuel and see if it will fly. Jump out of an airplane without a parachute just to see if it will work. Because I'm not afraid of dying. Drink things I shouldn't drink, amen? You know, jump into the ocean, you know, in 40-degree temperature and with no help, no support, see what happens. You know, don't be stupid. On the other hand, you should not be living your life afraid of dying. And if you are something that the apostle here in Hebrews points out, something didn't take. 
He came to set people free from something that had bound them all their lives, a fear of dying. COVID pandemic has revealed there are millions of Christians still in slavery. And part of my assignment this year, if any of that resides in our community or those that call this home as a church, we're going to drive it out in Jesus' name because it has no place in your life because it's limiting you and it's limiting those around you. It's affecting your decisions. It's affecting your spiritual walk. It's affecting your ministry. It's affecting everyone around you and you don't even realize it. You can subtly poison somebody with your fear just by living your life this way and not even realize it. You won't do this, or you won't do that, or I can't do this. Why? I can do all things through what? Through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The COVID pandemic has revealed there are millions of Christians still in slavery of fear. What? Fear you're going to get it. And what? Die. According to Barna and several other researchers, there are about one-third to 40% of the body of Christ that has never shown back up to church across the country. That's almost 40% of the body of Christ who claim to be what? Christians, but are still in slavery to the fear of death. Look at somebody and say, no fear here. No say it again, say, no fear here. Why shouldn't you be afraid? Because you know who bought you. You know where you're going. You know it's a great place. You know your job here is to bring as many other people as you can to that place. But no longer something to be feared. Now someone would say, well, I don't fear death. I, I feel fear of pain going towards the death. You don't have to fear that either. That's a more rational response. Amen. They're afraid of getting it. What if I get it and die? What if you get it and live? 99.7% get it and live? So how, how could we possibly be walking around with this level of fear in the body of Christ? Do you know what you focus on is going to determine your level of faith or fear? Amen. And I'm sorry, but some of y'all need to stop watching the, the governor's, you know, weekly or daily or whatever it is, cast, about how many people have it and how many people don't have it and blah, 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 and just get back to governing the state of Kentucky. I'm sure we have other matters going on here somewhere. But that's all you do. But it love the governor. He's so compassionate, blah, blah, blah. All he's doing is so in fear. Just state the facts and move on. Let's press on. You know what the Holy Ghost is saying to this nation, especially the Christian part of this nation? Press on. Move on. I did not give you a two and a half year vacation from your assignment in the body of Christ to focus on COVID. Amen. It's time to get back in the game and do what you're called to do. But the subtle thing here is it's not just the devil telling you you're going to get it and die. He has trumped that by telling people they're going to give it to somebody else and they're going to die because of you. You and I are not called to live this kind of life. What I do or what I don't do. 
what's going to happen here. Live in the hypotheticals. How about living in the Word of God? It's forever settled. Say it's forever settled. Fear you'll get COVID and die. Fear you'll give COVID to someone else and they will die. They're not your responsibility. No matter what this socialist government's trying to tell you. You work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Use wisdom, but don't walk around in fear that you're going to get it or that you're going to give it to somebody else. It's pinning people down. There are people keeping their entire families away from church because I'm afraid that if I get it, I'm going to give it to so-and-so. And and they're kind of weak in their immune system. Well, you don't mind going to Walmart with them. And if you're going to use that excuse to stay away from church, let me help you out. Don't post your big gatherings at the restaurant pictures on Facebook and tell me how you're afraid that they're going to get it. I'm going to give it to somebody if I go to church. Interesting how that fear is so selective, isn't it? Amen. Hello. Fear of death has been amplified in the church. We need to amplify faith again. Say it with me. No fear here. Walk it in faith. Say it again. Walk it in faith. Walk it in faith. Do you know that if COVID doesn't get you, something's going to eventually? Huh? What do I mean? That thing might be the rapture. (laughs) Wouldn't that be wonderful? You mean you believe in the rapture? Yes, I believe in the catching away of the church. Well, so-and-so said there is no rapture because the church needs to suffer, suffer. Let me correct you, brother. The Bible tells us very plainly that I have not called you or called you or appointed you to suffer wrath. I'm going to go with the apostle Paul over you. The people of God in the Old Testament suffer because of their disobedience and their principal disobedience of rejecting the Messiah where we have accepted him. Say it, I accept him. But it doesn't matter. The point is, I believe, this like a lot of old-time Pentecostals, the bottom line is whether you're pre-trib or or post-trib rapture, you better be ready no matter what phase you go up. But can I tell you what rapture is? Lean in closely, because you'll enjoy this. It's mass death and resurrection. Instantaneous death of millions of people on this planet. Vaporized and translated instantly. And glorified for the glory of God. Sounds like fun to me, amen. I kind of like to hang around for that. Say it, I'd like to hang around for that. No fear here. Glory to God. Just do whatever you're doing. Then all of a sudden, poof, you're dead. You're taking this to heaven? You're not taking this to heaven. We, look, none of us want your nasty self in heaven with us. You're not taking this to heaven. Not happening. Poof. Look at somebody and tell them. Poof. Mass, massive, instant death 
and the resurrection. In the what? Twinkling of an eye. But if you and I don't have mass death on that day, something's going to get you. You want to sit in your room the rest of your life and twiddle your thumbs and say, I wonder what's going to get me. I wonder what's going to get me. I wonder what's going to get me. You're going to believe God for a long life and then he'll show you his salvation. You're going to believe God to live out your days and do your assignment on the earth and get everybody you can in the ark of safety while you can and not sit there worrying about how you're going to go. Hello? Why all this fascination about this way of dying? Because it's spiritual. It's an intentional deception and delusion and distraction for the people of God. And they've bought it hook, line, and sinker. And now there's a spirit of fear hovering over the body of Christ. Come on, say it one more time. No fear here. Come on, say it. No fear here. Say it again. No fear here. It's the master fear. But you know, the Lord can deliver you from that today. Today, you can walk out of here free from that. Be renewed. The Bible says this in Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. But now, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not what? Do not be afraid means what? Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to live your life. Do not be afraid to go to church. Do not be afraid to go out. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I have what? Ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. What does that mean? You're not going to drown. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you'll not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Do not what? Say what? Say what? Don't be afraid. Say it. Don't be afraid. No fear here. I... Can't go around the room and say, Thou hast fear, thou hast no fear. Thou art free of fear, thou art consumed by fear. But you know who does know? Huh? The Lord of God. I'm sitting in church, I must not have any fear. You may be watching online thinking, I don't have any fear. This is something for you to take to the Lord and be serious about it. Because if you're operating in fear, there's no way for you to operate in faith. There's no way for you to have any semblance of a blessed new year. Amen. Glory to God. Now, you and I serve a God who's given us a covenant that surpasses the old covenant. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Amen. And uh, he's not the author of your pain. He's not the author of your destruction. God didn't show up in, in Mayfield a couple weeks ago, and God didn't show up in Hopkinsville yesterday. Right. Amen. Say it's a better covenant. It's a better covenant. But watch this. 
This idea that God is your problem. Another lie from the enemy. God's your solution. He's your hope. He is your goodness. He is your life. Israel made a really stupid mistake. Joshua, the Bible says, failed to inquire of the Lord. He inspected the Gibeonites' goods, saw their shoes and their food and everything, and he concluded that they'd come from a long way, made a treaty of peace with them. And then that particular group of Gibeonites got into a war, were attacked because of their association, and because of the covenant, Joshua had to come to the rescue. That day, the Bible says the sun didn't set. God performed a miracle so that the covenant would not be broken. Do you see this? Now watch this. Fast forward to the rule of Saul, who slaughtered Gibeonites and brought a curse down on Israel, and there had to be blood for blood. Watch this. You and I have a superior covenant. It's unthinkable that God would do something like that to someone he's in covenant with. If Saul was held accountable for breaking covenant by doing something horrible to a covenant partner, even a partner they never should have been in covenant with, how much less is your God going to do something to you? Because of what? Because of covenant. That's why you know that he's not doing the evil things that affected you. That's how you know he's not behind the destruction of God's people. The thief cometh not before to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life, life more abundantly to the full till it what? Overflows. That's him. That's your God. Amen.